Thank you, thank you, uh, everyone, for coming. We are gathered here today to remember our friend and the president of Liberty University, Jerry Lehman Falwell Jr., who passed away yesterday morning due to black water poisoning. He is survived by his three children, his wife Becky, and one uh, strapping young pool boy who is here to uh, say a few words. Every young man needs a mentor. Someone to show him how to cower in the corner while you take his wife to plow town. For me, Jerry was that man. I don't know how I'll ever find someone to read me Psalms 31 while I'll come inside his wife again. Thank you for your support in these trying times. Thank you for those kind words. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. So, Michael, as we learned from that clip of actual news, some things have been happening. um, From that very real news. Michael, what's happening with our boy this week? I think this is going to be, at least for a while, one of our last fall well updates. Oh, see, I don't even know if that's true. In some ways, I think... (laughs) I think now is really the beginning for Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, you know, sure, he's been able to run roughshod over an entire university and use it as his personal playground for fucking and sucking for, you know, uh, since 2007. But now we're about to le- unleash Jerry Falwell Jr. on the world. And frankly, I can't wait to see where he goes next. There is so um, much fucking and sucking to do. <laughs> so we checked in on uh, on Jerry Cuckwell a few weeks ago when he was <laughs> placed on a leave of absence after some photographs circulated of him with mm-hmm. his paunch out, doing some trailer bark boys thing. And we sort of had a moment where we were like, this, this is the thing that's going to take him down. <laughs> uh, and sort of we did a, a brief litany of Jerry Falwell Jr. crimes. And, uh, you know, we were ready to put it down for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden there were some new developments in the story. But we knew about this when we started this podcast about like a year ago. We talked this about was these very episode one of our podcast uh, was uh, just us talking shit about Jerry Falwell Jr. and the pool boy. And at the time, a lot of it was... Things that were half known mm-hmm. or things that, uh, you know, were alleged. Uh, and there was already a lot of good reporting on it. But it's so funny. It really is, you know, shitty Christian's anniversary uh, yep. to come back around and be able to say, yep, we were right. Everyone was right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really, I think when he, the pool boy came out as Q is when I really was surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the pool boy simultaneously one of the founders of H or the current leader of HN and also uh, Q. Great. Uh, did you actually hear <laughs> that they figured out who Q was this week? I did, of course. It was me. Oh, okay, all right. I would like okay. to. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I've been outed as Q. It's uh, cool. It's okay, fine. wait. If that's, if that's true, uh, we should definitely have more money than we currently do. So, first thing that happened, the pool boy went public. 
Uh, it was really, you know, it just tickled my heart to see Mr. Superman uh, on mm. national news shows. You know, I'm, mm. I'm watching Anderson Cooper's Steely Blues stare down the hottest pool boy in Miami. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, just on national television talking about how Jerry Falwell Jr. likes to sit in the corner in a Speedo while he fucks his wife. Like, it really was. It was a special <laughs> moment in my life to watch Anderson Cooper go, mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like As nod over the glasses. <laughs> Giancarlo Granda uh, went public. He alleged the things that we had already sort of been claiming this whole time, uh, which mm-hmm. is to say that not unlike prophecy, any random ass thing that we're spouting off into the world probably <laughs> true. If it's not true yet, it's gonna be true. I will say uh, it's a it's more likely to be true than you should be comfortable with. Well, we're talking about the worst people, and we're always betting on them being even worse than we know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to say we rigged the odds a little bit. Yeah, uh, sure. And so, yeah, uh, Granda said, yes, I had a seven-year relationship with his wife. Jerry oh Falwell gosh. Jr. was uh, regularly involved, not as a participant, or I guess as a participant, but he liked to watch. He also liked mm-hmm. to uh watch them Skype and Zoom and share Facebook messages and was sort of sort of orchestrating that relationship mm-hmm. yeah uh, and and there was a great moment because this all first came out in a reuters report where uh <laughs> it would you know ground is talking about all the emails and messages and screen caps from facebook uh facetimes that he's or from facetiming that they've done and uh, reuters just says reuters was able to confirm the content of these messages no that <laughs> is no i'm serious like, i'm not kidding that is my favorite detail is because it's so it, good it's, it's the classiest way of saying like oh no i saw her <laughs> yeah uh it's the classiest way of saying uh it was just grando with the phone being like swipe swipe <laughs> swipe <laughs> and it's just like the ever more depraved shit happening on the screen he's just like swipe Swipe. <laughs> I really, I really want to know who was in the room and wasn't Anderson Cooper. Uh, no, no, it was definitely not Anderson Cooper. He would not have been interested in what was happening in that room. That's uh, that's true. So he says, "Yes, you know, this started when I was a pool boy." He's like, he, he was like, I was flirting with a couple girls in their twenties when Becky yeah. Jerry Falwell Jr.'s wife and sort of a political institution in her own right, the First Lady of Liberty University, comes up to him and says, "You don't want to mess around with those girls." They don't have what you need. You oh. need a lady with experience. Oh, oh, this is taking a turn, Michael. Uh, and and Granda, in what is just sort of the perfect uh, encapsulation of like twenties Miami, like mm. pool boy vibe, was just like, okay. <laughs> I know what a poor <laughs> child, what a poor sweet baby. I know. At which point she goes, there is just one thing. Uh, my husband likes to watch and then as if it was planned because i'm certain that it mm-hmm. was you know there was a little she pushed a little button on the side of her bikini and it electroshocked his testicles and uh and jerry falwell jr comes wandering around the corner in a speedo that is not usually i'm just gonna listen different strokes for different folks uh that's not normally what a sexual man is looking for when he's hitting up a lady <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to say that I think we need a calendar of every mainstream shitty evangelical figure in a Speedo. Like, uh, (laughs) you know, I think obviously a lot of our listeners are going to be physically repulsed by the Mm -hmm. idea of like 
paunchy, whiskey-gutted Jerry Falwell Jr. sauntering <laughs> around with his dick in a banana sling. Like, that's not going to be a great image. Just a little testicle skin <laughs> hanging out the side. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can't really see it because it's lost in the forest of hair. Like, nobody wants to think about that. But no, no. I'm going to go the other way and say we need to dig up Billy Graham's corpse. We need to put that corpse in a speedo, and we need to take this calendar because we got to do something, man. Churches are bleeding money. It's time for innovation. Uh, that's that's that gets this Patreon moving. Okay, so <laughs> where does this go? So, from here? so they they hook up. He, he's invited back the next day. They trade numbers, and this begins a seven year relationship where not only is he being flown out there, uh, but. He is like, you know, as we've talked about before, he gets $1.8 million to buy a hostel in Miami as part of Mm -hmm. this business venture. Uh, They tell him, they say, we like helping young people. That's like their pitch. They're like, we want you to get back in school because we like helping young people. Uh, They sort of left out the part where it was like, who just finished coming inside my wife. But helping themselves uh, to young people. But anyway. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, uh, Granda said during this interview, he goes, yeah, you know, it was consensual when I started, but now that I'm a little bit older, I can sort of look back and say, I was a 20-year-old guy working full-time trying to get my way through school, and these, you know, millionaires, these, like, national figures show up right. and choose me. And he said, I felt special. And not only that, this was kind of interesting. They didn't mm-hmm. just, like, have this affair or keep it in secret. They, like, flaunted him. They flew him on family vacations. He has pictures just hanging out with their kids. Like, this was just a guy that got to live in their orbit. He totally is Willa from Secession. Like, he is is just a nice person trying to live his life, and he ends up being trapped as sort of like the sexual plaything of this hyper-rich person that just wants to, like, watch him do weird shit. And so, as he said, you know, this, this, he's like, I felt exploited at the end of it. And so mm-hmm. this set off a series of chain of events. Jerry Falwell Jr. actually released a statement before this happened being like, hey, I wasn't watching anything. My <laughs> wife was just having an affair. And I was really sad about it. So that's why I lost all that weight. Way to throw your wife under the bus, dude. <laughs> well, one, okay, yeah. One way to just immediately be like, nah, dog, that's not me. My wife's just uh, shitty. And again, right. just to be clear, as we said before, this is not about, uh, you know, we're the not... sexual proclivities of these people. This is about the exploitation involved in the sexual yeah, proclivities yeah. of we're, these people. Yeah, yeah. We are never here to slut shame. Uh, I am currently we're... recording in a gimp outfit. And listen, it's cool. It's co- I, I think it's more breathable than people say. Somehow still an incel. <laughs> uh, you you would be rocking the breathable gimp suit. You would be walking, rocking the sort of casual athletic wear of gimp suits. <laughs> The uh, the fair trade ethical gimsu. Uh the the drop crotch uh uh sweat resistant gimsu. Well it had to be drop crotch um, if you know what I mean. It did not. <laughs> Listen, we're talking about a lot of fake news today, Allie. You can't be adding stuff in. So <laughs> Falwell gets out ahead, he throws his wife under the bus. He he, he mentions weight loss, which is hilarious because we all just saw a picture of him with his gut hanging out that became a national fucking news story. So if that's your weight loss, if that's your like I was so depressed I was shedding pounds and my family was worried about my physical health, if that's your like depression weight loss picture, oh boy. I am glad I didn't get to see the before on that. <laughs> and so then Falwell in the span of one day resigned. <laughs> Mm-hmm. rescinded his resignation then resigned move. again power move <laughs> i love 
I love that so much because that's his whole life. His whole life is like, maybe I don't have to do this. Maybe it's fine. Yeah. Mm-mm. We'll see. Eh, you know what? Don't send it yet. I'm so, uh, I think I respect that kind of cocaine energy so much. It really, it really does sort of um, vibe like a man that's just like five days into a bender and like he doesn't know what yes and no even mean anymore. So when people ask him questions, he's just saying purple and they're trying to like figure out how to interpret that. He's the human manifestation of the dumb English phrase, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which I do say a lot. Oh, Uh, me too. It's not my fault. It's a fucking stupid phrase, but nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, So he finally does resign, which, you know, just for the (laughs) record, means he's going to get $10.5 million. Oh, Uh, is that all? Is that all? Yeah, no, he still gets his golden parachute. The actual, like, statement from the board is just like, yeah, I mean, this was his pre-existing clause, so obviously, like, he's still going to get that money. The money that, like, People are paying intuition. Students are paying intuition for degrees that are now even more worthless than their shitty U- Liberty University degrees were before, because this guy has publicly tarnished the reputation of their already terrible school. But what I love is that you could probably find a lawyer and get rid of that clause because of some morality thing, but they're not going to. They're just going to pay him. Yeah, I, I think this really speaks to you know there. The, the last thing that the Liberty Board did uh, was announce that they were going to have an independent investigation into everything. Mm. They're like, we're going to un- uncover every stone. Uh, previous to that, they couldn't even come to an agreement on whether to fire him. And it's in part <laughs> because their board is huge. It's like right. 33 people. Oh, this uh, is probably where I should say conflict of interest. I'm on Liberty's board. Sorry about that. Continue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's a pay-to-play board because, of course, it is because it's a pay-to-play school. Okay. So, uh, to be fair, it's, so it's was Harvard. Board. Epstein Epstein had an office in Harvard. Oh, don't worry. We'll get to Harvard in this episode. Don't 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 think we're stopping before we get to Harvard. Uh, <laughs> and so they couldn't even, like, come up. Um, to, like, they amazing. couldn't even uh, reach a, an agreement on whether to fire this fucker. Uh, he had to retire. Uh, the last thing I'll mention is that it has also come out recently that Jerry Falwell Jr. has a, shall we say, a habit of liking his own students' bikini pictures. Ew. Here's the thing I'm going to say. Somehow, you, should, you shouldn't like your own wife's bikini pictures. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't like your wife in a bikini. That's a modest. Come on. We're all in agreement here. <laughs> Yeah, sex we just after we just took a hard wrong. swerve to trad wife. Uh, we encountered so much depravity at Liberty University that now we're like back to purity culture. <laughs> it's better. It might be better. Anyway, continue. It's just it's just it's a little detail, but it's just gross. Um, you know, one Liberty students aren't even technically allowed to wear bikinis. Uh, not that that's like an acceptable thing, but it, that makes it extra weird that the president of this university is now like liking all of these young girls' pictures. Feels a little drakey, if I'm being honest. You know, it yeah. feels a little like I'm gonna assume there were some slides into the DMs. Like I, I do think that this man is a cuck, clearly, but oh, I also think he literally. might just be, you know, he do he might just be more than anything a predator. And I think we can just guarantee yeah. at this point that there are going to be more names. I don't know if we're going to get to hear about them, but these people have clearly been flaunting their like sexual power and predation over basically everyone around them for their entire tenure in this office. I mean, they're bringing pool boys on family vacations. They're giving sports complexes to personal trainers that he's sending like, you know, lingerie photos of his wife to. Like, I mean, and that's why I, I can just, I got no time for like David Nasser or the board at Liberty being like, we're shocked and offended. And, you know, uh, we're going to take right. all these steps and we're going to have an independent investigation. It's like, dude, 
this has all been around for years, man. Uh, and they even said, they said, some may say all the signs were there for a long time before last week. It's certainly fair to say that there were questionable comments, worrying behavior, and inappropriate social media posts. But all of the signs were not there until the start of last week. Yeah, which, again, uh, don't listen to it. But don't listen to it. There are better episodes. But our pilot episode of this podcast, I posit that a hot pool boy got Donald Trump elected because Michael Cohen is the guy who helped clean this up. So, yep. let let me tell you what, uh, there were more than signs. There was more than smoke. That, no, that pool boy is, this, was on fire. There has been active fires all over this university. I mean, we've covered a bunch of them. The Liberty uh, student newspaper editor who talked about, you know, this this like culture of fear. Uh, people saying, you know, that this, this thing is a monarchy. All of these business dealings that we've delved into. Like, this man has been nothing but villainous. He is the Trump of, you know, he's very Trumpian in that he is very openly doing this thing. So this like tut-tutting now at mm. this point is just so fucking embarrassing. As you hand this guy a $10.5 million check to walk out the door. Yeah. I got you no know, time I, for it. I would like to also publicly resign from Liberty and I will be taking my money. <laughs> I will be taking my money in South African. Yeah, I, I will be Thank taking you. my, uh, my exactly. So yeah, I guess to end that, let's just say I am, I am glad that Jerry Falwell Jr. is out of this position. I can't wait to see what comes next. I don't have a lot of confidence in quote unquote independent investigations by evangelical figures, uh, evangelical institutions. We've seen how that's gone before, but in the event that something comes to light, that would be fucking great. I would love uh, to know more of just the shit that Jerry Falwell Jr. has been getting up to. Uh, but also, Liberty University is not going to get any better under any of the kinds of people that they put into this institution. Oh, it's no. still going to be virulently, virulently homophobic, virulently pro-Trump, virulently, uh, you know, the, all the crappy elements of evangelical culture are going to, like, foment there. They're still going to have the Fall Kirk Center for Religious Liberty with Charlie Kirk and Jerry Falwell Jr. teaming up to do a Super Friends episode of shitty politics. Like, all that shit's still going to exist. So, like, there's there's nothing that really gets better here. But it is nice that he doesn't have quite as much power as he once did. Uh, I'm going to steal a joke from our buddy Nathan. Give him a shout out here. Uh, I'm really excited for three to five years from now when he writes a book titled something like, uh, you know, uh, Crossroads or The Return, uh, wherein there's a picture of him in a beard and a sweater somewhere in the pacific northwest and it's about his sort of winding road another good title back to faith i'm gonna i'm gonna say right now i'm gonna make a, a shitty christian's guarantee i will only buy that book if he's in a speedo on the cover <laughs> your move jerry falwell let that paunch fly free sweet brother Okay, Zach, uh, that's Jerry Falwell Jr. updates, which has basically been this podcast for the past couple of weeks. Uh, I love it. I can't I can't really get enough. Uh, he's a monster, and I'm glad he's gone. Uh, but, man, is he not at least interesting in his, like, complete ridiculous depravity. Zach, we've got a couple more topics to get, get to today. What's the next one? Uh, we're going to do a brief topic on the uh, Republican National Convention, which happened while we were uh, away uh, attending to various uh, familial and national needs. Look, I don't want to out myself here as a spy, as a member of Antifa planted by the CIA. But look, listen, let's just say I have a lot of expense, force, expense reports to write. Uh, those are not the reports that you need to be worried about. 
<laughs> but in the meantime, before we get there, uh, the RNC happened. And I have to be honest, it was less interesting than the DNC. Um, probably because the DNC is an exercise in delusion. Just like, and trying to convince you that cops are good, that Joe Biden is good, but something needs to be done about all this gosh darn racism. Well, somebody, well, so we would like to really speak to the manager of racism. <laughs> but the thing is about the RNC is they're just the manager of racism. Like, you know, it's just there. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's not really, there's, it was shocking. Like, you know, I didn't watch all four nights because I, I, I don't want to kill myself this young. And, but I was sort of like, I watched a fair amount of summaries, some of the speeches myself, and I, I have to be honest with you, uh, it was really pretty more boring than I expected. It was a lot more, which is, you know, great opening bit to a segment, but it was a lot more just like, <laughs> here's what's interesting about that, is four years ago, it was a lot more like, there's blood and soil, and it's like, oh shit. And now it's like, all right, there's still blood. It felt a little bit, and I, I still, you know, who knows who's going to win. Trump might still steal it. But it's, it felt tired in a way that I thought was interesting. Like, they're really trying to be like, no, but really, things are going to get crazy if Biden's elected. And it's like, yeah, but like, nobody has jobs anymore, dude. <laughs> like, there are no jobs. Yeah, it felt really strange i didn't i didn't watch because i again i i i have to have a little bit of self-love it can't it can't all be masochism um but i did watch some clips and the vibe was very like if you don't reelect me look at all the problems we're going to have while i'm president <laughs> yeah and it was just it was really hard to square the reality of like dude you're the like you're the guy and you're not the only guy as we've talked about there are lots of other guys. They're all terrible. But you're at least one of the guys. Like, if you're supposed to fix this, shouldn't you be fixing it by now? Yeah. And so, you know, not to sort of like, you know, sort of give away the thesis, but it, it, it's just, it was so bizarre watching Trump in night four. I'm going to kind of just do a brief run through of some highlights. But like, being like, you can't elect Joe Biden. You can't do it. Because if you elect Joe Biden... Um, all these violent anarchists and criminals are going to burn everything down. I will take care of you. But it's just like, yeah, but like, dude, 50 million people don't have jobs. 200,000 people are dead of COVID. And like, that's just, he's running. I'm not the first person to say this, but he's running as an outsider, as an incumbent. Yeah, that is, that is sort of the astounding thing is that it feels like very much the same play in some ways, just a little more mm -hmm. naked. Right. Uh, and I just don't know how that works when you've had four years. Now, I will say the people that like him love what he's done because, oh, sure. you know, for he's lots of, of reasons, mostly that they're right. bad. Yeah. I don't really see that message holding a lot of weight, but then I don't understand the mind of the Trump supporters. So what do I fucking know? I did see a great poll where they were asking, you know, Trump voters, are you voting for Trump or against Biden? And then they asked Biden voters the same thing. And with Trump, it was like 81% for Trump, 19% opposed Biden. And with mm. uh, Biden, it was 51-49. Wow. Yeah. The enthusiasm for this candidate, the man that the blue no matter who guy is just resonating across, I don't know, a very small room. At a pitch only my dog can hear. <laughs> it's Democrats are great at losing elections, man. Keep going, man. Man, they love it. They they the other day they had Pete Buttigieg introducing Cher at an event, and it's just like, oh no, they're really. Oh, uh, the... did you hear he's going to start a podcast? I why are all these people coming from my corner, man? 
<laughs> I know. I know. It's like, just like, hey, bro, come on the pot. Let's yeah, chat. We'll mint you. You know, somebody has to. <laughs> oh, oh, you, I listen. need to. Can I do an aside here? Yep. Hit me. I have a Twitter mutual who tweeted the other day about that moment uh, in the debates when Pete Buttigieg um, mentioned how if there had been a pill to take where he couldn't be gay, he would do it. And then the cameraman pans immediately to Chastin. Yes. Yes. If he if there was a pill, if there was a pill he could <laughs> take to erase Chastin from that. his life. Now, it's important to say we are super pro LGBTQ. It's hard growing up that way. And there's more nuance to the moment than even that clip said. And I fucking hate Pete Buttigieg. That said, yeah. it's a really funny one, too. So a friend of mine mm. who's a member of the LGBTQ community just posts a shit post about this being like, <laughs> very funny, blew up a little bit on Twitter. And Chastin replied. Oh, wow. And it became a whole thing. And Chastin was like, I understood the nuance of what was going on, blah, blah, blah. And so I just think it's funny that we we brought that moment up in Shitty Christian's so many episodes ago, six months ago, and we actually have an official response from Chastin on it. Chastin, I actually don't want to talk to Pete. I want to talk to you. Come on the pod. I just want to see if you're okay. Uh, It's sort of a dark finale to this. Uh, My buddy ended up getting harassed by a bunch of Pete Buttigieg stands. Shocking. Well, nobody control these Petey bros. So that's an aside. I think it's worthwhile. Back to the RNC. Here's the thing, I think. I think Trump's still going to lose because, like, the DNC wants to lose. But I think Republicans, they're trying to run against the Clintons. They just had a perfect foil last time. Like, the Clintons were the definition of, like, the establishment. of Like, the Clinton kill list. You know, it's, like, barely a joke. And, like... Yeah. Everyone just... hated Hillary. <laughs> Hillary, was a, Hillary was a terrible candidate for so many reasons that honestly hit the left, the right. The only people that hate Biden are the left. And clearly, we don't fucking matter. So, no. like, he's I... probably going to take it. I don't know. I do think they're doing everything in their power to lose. And I am less confident uh, as I sort of keep an eye on the polls, which obviously polls this far out are still pretty meaningless. But, like, there are some states that are a lot closer than they probably fucking should be when you're running against Donald goddamn Trump. Yeah, no, here's the thing. Republic- Democrats are still probably going to win. But, like, if they had gotten a halfway competent candidate, it just wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be close. All right, so I'm going to run through a few highlights of the RNC, then we're going to get to the meat of this episode. Night one, uh... Instead of doing it digitally, they gathered in person for the roll call vote to nominate Alpha Man, Alpha, Alpha, show COVID who's boss. And Trump showed up in real life to do it. It was the only thing that was IRL, but it was IRL. The amount of pride these people can take in their stupidity is truly astounding. But keep going. Probably the highlight of night one was Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is dating Don Jr. and also dated Gavin Newsom. So that should tell you a lot about everything. And she was just ended the night by screaming, sort of wild-eyed about uh, socialism coming for us, open borders, closed schools. Uh, She did say one true thing. She said that um, if the Democrats are in, they will send our jobs to China while they get rich. That's pretty true. That's pretty good. Yeah. No, you got to give them the win on that one. I mean, it's not not, going to get any better under under a Republican administration, but you're not wrong to say that. No, it's a good, it's a nice blow. Um, whoever, whatever sad speech writer for McKinsey wrote that. Um, they talked about cutting taxes, which is an incredible move in the middle of like nobody has a job. 
Yeah. Uh, where do you think you're going to get the taxes, dog? Yeah. What's a tax? <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I eat it? Can I eat the tax? I would. Yeah. I would. Lo- could you give me just a plate of hot tax? That yeah, sounds. Eighty nice. percent of zero, dog, is not a lot. So anyway, night two. I think my favorite detail, and I need to do more research on this, but Trump pardoned a bank robber. He just pardoned a bank robber. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a weird thing. Like, as far as I can tell, he was not, like, anybody important, political, or, like, some sort of great victim. Just a bank robber. Just parted him. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to delve deeper into whatever Todd, just ridiculous nonsense that story is. I can't wait. I'm yeah. really excited uh, to know how stupid that gets. It, it, I, there's no way it's not like he was a bank robber who then, like, ran a chain of liquor stores that were doing some kind of Rico-related grift. But uh, he showed up at some rallies. So uh, Eric Trump talked uh, about cancel culture delete, and like getting rid of uh, monuments. Yes. This was a big thing, right? Yeah. And then he talked about how there's people taking these, but they're, like they're, they're disrespecting the truce. It, I got to admit, like, it's so funny. Here's the thing. Watching the DNC, I'm convinced the Democrats will lose. Watching the RNC, I'm convinced the Republicans will lose. <laughs> I mean, we are we are essentially watching the battle of the, the, the elder toddlers at this point. And so it, it really is a question. It's less a question of who hits a solid blow and more a question of, like, you know, just who falls down first. Yeah, I mean, nobody's wearing pants. Like, both emperors are naked and they're smearing shit on themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just a question of how much. It's like Splatoon. Like, you got you to gotta get the full coverage of the shit in order to win. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at this. This is Trump pardoning a man convicted of robbing a bank. He now runs a nonprofit for prisoners. And it's basically him being like, hey, I'm the criminal justice reform guy, not the 94 crime bill guy. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I just, Fucking I love, I love the detail of that. I'm going to actually just skip ahead to Mike 3. Uh, Mike Pence spoke. And Mike Pence. Never. Uh, never a good thing. No. Uh, noted in heavy quotation marks, Christian. Uh, said that you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. It's like, dude, I'm terrified every day. Wait, who's who's not safe in Joe Biden's America? You. And then he I said, guess. right after that, we he stand with the thin blue line. So, you know, here's the thing. I feel, I feel unsafe when you use the phrase thin blue line. What? Yeah. Yeah, look, man. Look, if they stand with the thin blue line, you won't be unsafe. You'll be dead. It's fine. <laughs> Once I know. I mean, like we, we have police forces, you know, outsourcing their murder to teenagers at this point. So, like, what the fuck are you even talking about, man? Law and order, Michael. Law and order. And finally, there's Trump, which we kind of already previewed, basically talking about the unrest in the cities, talking about Portland and Antifa and like the radical far left controlling Joe Biden, which is amazing because I watched the DNC. And then it ended with fireworks in his name. Trump. Which I have to say is pretty cool. I would like a firework in my name, please. Uh, yeah, that that's um, the shitty Christians firework. The shitty Christians imperialism podcast. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, we're going to start a Patreon, but just to get Zach a firework in his name. Thank you. It's only it's only three letters. It's not really that hard. Yeah, come on. It's like, it's 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 40% off of what Trump got. There you go. Come You're on. Wel- You're welcome. You're now welcome. that's the art of making a deal. <laughs> so the rnc was just like it was exactly what you expect but it was tired it really felt like people who were grifting because they had nothing better to do but like 
you want four more years because it's a cuck move not to get it. But at the same time, man, like everyone was tired and slimy. The sweat falling off all of these just like steak addled faces is just going to like roll <laughs> together and form like a sentient, you know, X-Men style water creature. And then we're going to have to like create our, our like thin blue line superhero band to fight, you know, the sweat monsters. But oh, no, they actually join forces. And that's just the RNC. Yeah, are you familiar with the phrase butterface? It's 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 like that, but these men have faces of literal butter. <laughs> it's just it's just a collection of of butter statues melting slowly under stage lights for two and a half hours a night. Fucking and then shit. As the last as the last butter leg drips off the stage, fireworks. Trump. <laughs> I'm a pretty nihilistic person who's happy all the time. But this was this made me nihilistic sad. It, it was not good. Let's move on to the well, next thing. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing uh, that dirty work. I truly could not do it. I, I was like, <laughs> I will research every other part of this podcast, but you were not getting me to watch the RNC. Not after everything that we've been through, just getting through the DNC. Um, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. I am feeling very uncertain about the future, uh, but that is going to be true whoever wins. The tagline of Alien versus Predator is, whoever wins, we lose. Just leave it there. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. So, Zach, the last thing that I have for us today yes. is a pretty special article um, from <laughs> you know one of our personal favorite institutions, the Phelan New York Times. Uh, the Lion News Media. Yeah, and uh, and and when the New York Times publishes anything that they sort of put under the religion segment, mm-hmm. uh, that's just like that's just a time for me to check in. I just gotta see it. I just gotta see what they have to say. <laughs> and this article, I think, is maybe one of my favorite that I've read because it's actually not a Ross Douthat article. <laughs> wow. Uh, so this this is uh, this is an article by Nellie Bowles, and mm. it's titled "God Is Dead, So Is the Office." These people want to save both. Oh, now I thought oh, no. this was uh, a story about you know a group of atheists attempting to keep the office uh, from leaving Netflix and going to the NBC app. But as it turns out, <laughs> but Peacock's a good app. It's I'm a little say it right more here. involved than that. Ew, yeah. ew. You do you do not say those things about TV apps on our podcast. Not until they're paying us money to lie. Yeah, I peacock peacock. Okay, very upset right now. <laughs> so. I'm going to just read the first couple paragraphs of this because I think she actually does sort of a great job uh, setting the stage for how crazy what we're about to discuss is. And because (laughs) I think this article, I I could ding it for being a little too credulous about the nonsense we're about to encounter, but at least it's having fun. In the beginning, there was (laughs) COVID-19 and the tribe of the white collars rent their garments for their workdays were a formless void and all their rituals were gone. New routines came to replace the old, but the routines were scattered and there was chaos around how best to exit a Zoom, onboard an intern, or end a work week. The adrift may yet find purpose, for a new corporate clergy has arisen to formalize the remote work life. They go by different names, ritual consultants, sacred designers, soul-centered advertisers. They have degrees from divinity schools. Their business is borrowing from religious tradition to bring spiritual richness to corporate America. Oh, that's 
That's a lot. Isn't that something? So this article is about the existence of boutique ritual design firms who are here to bring a little spiritual mojo to your work from home week. And these institutions are hired by corporations to bring sacred into your Zoom meeting. Oh. Oh yes, my friend, we're just getting started. They have names like Sacred Design Lab or Ritualist. Their websites are, I looked at several of them, universally the sort of like hyper branded, fancy fonts, random word salads. Like uh, one of the guy's Instagrams is talking about creating rituals for when you get your domain name. Wait, what? <laughs> oh yeah. Now this is this is what uh, this is what Nelly says. She says they blend the obscure language of the sacred with the also obscure language of management consulting to provide clients with a range of spiritually inflected services, from architecture to employee training to ritual design. Uh... And then the co-founder of Sacred Design Lab, sure. a name that is in no way cursed. Says, we've seen brands enter the political space. The next white space in advertising and brands is spirituality. Oh, please, please. So you don't. remember, Zach. Please, you remember please, please, when please. all. <laughs> Stop. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, Zach, you remember when, when all the brands got woke? You remember when Nike ended all of its, you know, child labor and terrible work practices? And, you know, Colin Kaepernick was like, hey, it's all good, guys. We got this. Nike's cool now. You remember that? I do remember that. I remember not seeing that any of the uh, Nike, not at all getting named for using weaker slave labor. No, yeah, that clearly would never came up because they're woke. Yeah, uh, because... You know, that's why that's why the NBA allowed 20 whole phrases, the entire pantheon of things you could have to say <laughs> about race relations in America. Um, you know, it was it was so, yeah. pretty cool when they when they had Malcolm X come out and dunk. I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> Turns out man's got springs, though. That's cool. <laughs> oh, no. My only question is zombie or hologram. <laughs> it was the literal freaking Malcolm X. They brought they dug him up. <laughs> they, they brought him back just like disco, baby. Uh, <sighs> okay, so a couple things here. One. <laughs> The name Sacred Design Lab. Oh, yeah. I hate it. I just hate it. Two, white space. Three, I actually, lies, three lies for the price of one. I know this is going to shock some of our listeners, but I, mm -hmm. I though I am a businessman, mm -hmm. I am actually not a businessman. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know what white space <laughs> meant in this context. Yeah, me So either. I had to Google it. White Michael, space here. Do tell. Meaning... The unmet and unarticulated needs that create space for innovation. All right. Okay. You know, remember earlier when I said I wasn't going to kill myself? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, you know, it really is amazing all the ways we find to upset ourselves on this podcast. I was so excited when I found this article because I was like, <laughs> oh, Zach's going to hate this. I'm boiling. This is really going to hurt him. <laughs> like, it's so much of what this is is just using language terribly in a way that is just really <laughs> offensive to like idiots like us that like putting words on paper yeah, losers yeah. nerds 
So white space meaning like you know you know what you know what we really need in in faith in spiritualism just innovation <laughs> man we just we just need the te- like what if Jesus was the Tesla truck <laughs> Okay so like pretty cool and awesome <laughs> Yeah uh so like problematic but I kind of want one um listen we're already living in a in like the shittiest dystopia i should at least get my blade runner truck that's all i'm saying yeah here's the thing Um, i already am recording this on an apple product what does it matter (laughs) yeah yeah uh and so basically what this article is not i wouldn't even say what these people are arguing is they're like Mm -hmm. you know you've got employees working at home you've got all of these tech things trying to keep out try to trying to figure out like how do we keep these people from like going fucking insane in the hell world that we are at least partially responsible for creating Mm -hmm. and so they bring in consultants to tell them how to make work days (sighs) sacred this is again why is mckinsey everywhere I know. I mean, this is this is honestly like worse than McKinsey, uh, because Whoa. this is like a couple people in Brooklyn that went to Harvard Divinity School. Like, yeah, that's what this is. This is like a handful of assholes. Like McKinsey, at least, is like McKinsey, at least, is causing its mi- misery on a global scale and making lots of fucking money doing it. These are just like assholes trying to somehow make work worse. I didn't think it was possible. I've never met someone who went to an an Ivy League divinity school that I liked. True story. There we go. New rituals for your shapeless work days. Trying to give employees routines that are imbued with meaning. We're going to dig more into like what a ritual really is and why this is so fucking upsetting. But right now, all I have to say is there is nothing less sacred in this universe than a consultant. I can say this as someone who occasionally is uh, paid under auspices similar to that. Worst people in the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ezra Bookman founded Ritualist, which they de- which describes itself as a boutique consultancy transforming companies and communities through the art of ritual. No nope. messages on his Instagram feed read like a kind of menu for companies who want to buy operational rights a la carte. A ritual for when you get in the email from LegalZoom that you've been officially registered as an LLC. Oh my God! You pay five hundred dollars and you send money to the county clerk and then you cross yourself. Yeah, and then and then you do something. I'm very curious what this actually is. We'll get there. Then it goes to Sacred Designs Lab, one of their co-founders, mm-hmm. and they're they're kind of the big dogs, you know. A lot of yeah. these guys are just one person with an Instagram feed working for like fucking Pinterest or whatever. These guys actually have a few people on staff. They're talking mm-hmm. about all their different backgrounds, and then they describe one guy uh, who lives in Brooklyn and co-hosts a popular Harry Potter podcast. Already, I know he is a fucking turf. Well, first of all, he's, he's definitely a turf, a turf. Right? but secondly, I know he's one of those people that goes into your comments and stands for Biden, and then suggests that Biden would be like a fucking Hufflepuff or something. I didn't read the books. I'm cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are you are much cooler. You're too busy smoking cigarettes and doing sex stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Thank you. He also wrote a book on how to transform common everyday practices into sacred rituals. Things like walking the dog, or reading, or yoga. Oh my god! (laughs) You know, that thing that is completely devoid of any spiritual practice, yoga. (laughs) I just, okay, so like white people genocide, you know, I wasn't for it. I'm not I'm not saying that it should happen. I'm just saying we deserve it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Uh, God. 
the idea, like hiring some asshole in Brooklyn with a Harry Potter podcast to teach you how to make your yoga more spiritual is just like taking brown rice, turning it into white rice, and then paying some asshole in Brooklyn to somehow like paint it brown again. Like, yes, of course, we have stripped all spiritual components out of this practice that came from another culture and turned it into a fucking thing that like <laughs> people do in parks. Of course we've done that. And of course that's terrible. But like that doesn't mean that you should be paying this fucking douchebag to some help sell it back to you even worse this guy's gonna like go into a temple and be like you know it'd be cool if we prayed here <laughs> that'd be that'd uh, be rad yeah. that would be so fucking cool like guys but like <laughs> just to be clear not praying to god i just want to yeah. be really clear this is this is ritual this is this is not anything connected to like any sort of actual higher power that would be weird <laughs> we're not really into that <laughs> So I looked up I looked up these assholes because I'm a bad person because huge I, because mistake. I like to hurt huge yeah. mistake and like these are just a couple quotes from their website Zach I hope okay. you enjoy no we collaborate with the divinely restless the intellectually curious entrepreneurially practical just gonna keep going leaders oh. to help design and prototype the community and spiritual infrastructure of the future uh, dude why are you did I piss you off this week? Like, I just, like, what, have I, what have I done to you? I I just, is there any phrase more cursed than entrepreneurially practical? I can't, my mouth doesn't even want to form the words. Well, the adverb form of entrepreneur is a pretty fucking stupid word. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I swear how, to God, these people are going to turn me into a goddamn Calvinist. Like, I'm going to become like a Bible thumper. Because just like, as much as I do not like or appreciate a huge segment of like, what my religious upbringing was, it made just, so much more fucking sense than this shit. Well, like, okay, again, at least it was an ethos. At least it had a vibe. Yeah. Here's another one. We are ancient technologists who no. deliver soul-centered insights to solve strategic problems. We are nimble translators, reinterpreting ancient best practices to transform people, products, brands, and experiences. I didn't want to join ISIS when 2020 began. <laughs> Western culture is doomed. Uh, these people work for like fucking... Like, they have worked with Pinterest, they have worked with the Obama Foundation, and even well, more obviously. scary, they've worked with a lot of other companies that they keep off the record. So, like, you go on their website, and it'll be, like, global design firm, international marketing brand. Like, it's just, like, just, they're vague booking about all of their accomplishments, and, like, this is my Lovecraftian horror. We talk a lot about our brains melting on this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a trope. We should move forward. But, like, I am literally <laughs> turning into a fish man right now. Like, I cannot deal with... Well, okay, okay. With, That's like, because you're one-eighth Cornish, and we know how Lovecraft <laughs> felt about that. Yeah, exactly. And we know that Lovecraft would not have appreciated that. The term <laughs> ancient best practices... Amazing. Like, this is just a running, like, what is the most cursed terminology in this, like, segment? I think ancient best practices might have taken the crown. Like, uh, ancient best oh. practice. Have Have you ever invaded a village, killed its men, pillaged its women? That's an ancient best practice. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, like, have you, have, have you ever uh, sacrificed children to mammon? Oh, you, actually, that is what you do. Great. Perfect. Ancient best practice. One more. One more, Zach. One more for you. One okay. more little bromide. Reimagining the biblical tradition of covenant 
sacred ideated new social containers, spaces, events, journeys, to unleash creative conversations among people across difference. Unleashing a conversation among people people across differences <laughs> across so choice difference no i gotta you're oh, my, wrong no no, no here's where i got to you're wrong these guys are brilliant that's amazing I fucking I, you you like i i think this is what happens though like you read enough of this like word salad and you're just like yes i want to live in the social container what is a social <laughs> container please let me out of this tupperware i do not appreciate being sealed <laughs> uh okay we live in a, we we live in an apartment in la i know what a social container is michael <laughs> <laughs> yeah under quarantine you're right oh well, i mean really that's an anti-social container okay all right to do right. this effectively this is their about me page we're in constant conversation with leaders working in wildly different paradigms where else do a bishop a buddhist farmer and a boot camp fitness instructor collaborate to create experiences of meaning and belonging Hell, sir. They do that in hell. <laughs> a place that I was a little on the fence about existing until I read that sentence. Oh, yeah. I mean, our podcast is proof of nothing but hell, So, but go on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not proof that hell exists. It's just proof that it should. Um, <laughs> we are the test case. I love this. And then it sort of backs up. So it's introduced you to this beautiful menagerie of like... Harvard Divinity School graduates and like like these have to be the fail sons of the Harvard Divinity School right you would think but actually they're the heroes these people I mean, like these are the rock stars coming out of there at Harvard Divinity School scholars have been studying the trend away from organized religion for decades uh, and then they start talking about how this is the associate dean for ministry studies noted that secular spaces were doing a surprisingly good job of fulfilling this desire uh, for spirituality sans formal service you mean by selling it to us right like that that's sort of the concept here is that they're selling you that oh my gosh listen i he quotes this is my favorite part he references soul cycle no nope. he's like yeah you know like soul cycle how pathetic how cucked how, how cucked do you have to be to be like soul cycle that's where the meaning is how cuck do you have to be to be like soul cycle is my religion <laughs> i don't know these people are doing rituals for pinterest so who the fuck knows uh also soul cycle as we've like noted before huge trump supporters like oh of course these are the people that are selling you spirituality according to the harvard divinity school uh associate dean amazing so then this is where this is where they talk about how this is actually a good thing they say if religion is about finding people in need wherever they are, then the spiritual innovators should go toward the workplace. Uh. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're Christian socialists. We absolutely believe that Christians should be concern concerned with the conditions of the workplace. That's some shit that we're about. You know, you know how you don't do that? You don't get hired by the fucking organization that's doing all the exploiting. I think we all remember when Jesus came into the temple and was like, let's find a way to speak across our differences to the money changers. Yeah. Uh, when he came into the temple and he said, you know, guys, we could really get some better synergy going on here if we just made a few adjustments to uh, the setup that, of the tables in the money, for the money yeah, change. What, like, okay, if, we could just, if we could just get this in a little open plan sort of thing, I think we would find us a lot more efficient at this heresy. 
look, I'm just saying like ancient best practice. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's what I'm trying. That's what we're going for. And so like, let's find a way to work together. What if, what if we pre-slit the goat throats? <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's just really, really upsetting. Um, he goes, how do you translate? This is one of the sacred design lab guys. How do you translate the ancient traditions that have given people access to meaning making practices, but in a context that is not centered around the congregation? Uh, you fucking don't uh... fuck off, get off my corner, man. So yeah, this is where he talks about working for Pinterest, uh, the Obama foundation, you know, that totally morally upright institution. And yeah, of course. He says, Miss um, Phillips, one of the other founders of Sacred Design Labs, doesn't see corporations replacing organized religion. But she said she <laughs> does see an opportunity for companies to bring people some of the meaning that they used to derive from churches, temples, mosques, and the like. Okay. And all I have to say is that's a, that's a pretty big butt hey, in there. Hey, lady, like, listen, listen, I don't think that corporations are going to replace faith in America, but... But maybe... <laughs> Uh, hey, lady, look, I'm not trying to be rude. This is not actionable. But at the next protest, you should go up to a cop and grab his gun. You should just just do that. <laughs> It'll be fine. Just see how it goes. Yeah. And uh, uh, Do a ritual beforehand. Yeah. And I really, I think it's going to go well for you. <laughs> Fuck off. I just, I mean, it, I mean, it is to use the word of the day because of our, our boy Jerry Falwell. Uh, it's just so cucked to be like... You know, I just, I think it's a hard time for religion. I mean, what are these darn kids doing? What if we found a way for people when they make a spreadsheet of their bosses, mistresses, you know, to like do a little, do a little self prayer, you know, just to find yeah, some do, time. Yeah, burn a little incense, burn a little yeah. incense over the black book. Right. What if, what if, what if we took yoga? Like, man, that's cool. What if it was spiritual? Like, like, I just, it's just, it is capitalism can only just can only feed into itself it's so amazing and i gotta say yeah. these people these people are terrifying oh no this is i let me read one more quote and then i think we'll get to like a little bit about who these people are uh yeah she talks about her work like a pastor would we spend a lot of time doing witness and accompaniment of our clients we listen to their stories we want to understand their lives we want to understand their passion and their longing okay but like who do you fucking work for like you're not there to care about those people you're there to like create more shit for them to do at the behest of their employer there's something so dystopian about like an era where we are i think generally speaking very broad strokes in the world particularly america we are living both we are living in poverty we most of us live in poverty both economic totally. and spiritual and the fact that our in the fact is that our economic poverty often informs our spiritual poverty mm -hmm. like you know for people who are so inclined it can be very hard to invest the kind of thing you would need to have a good spiritual practice and i'm speaking in very broad terms because what we're ultimately talking about is like time to invest in a thing it doesn't have to be that thing but like this is one of the things you could invest in and so the idea that a corporation is going to take all of your time and then demand <laughs> religious practice from you as well it's just like it's genuine like the grift involved in that is genuinely mind-blowing and they pitch it as like this is the next great white space this is woke brands but i actually think this is much more akin to the next like 
gym on the Google campus. Yeah. Like, this is just one of the fucking perks, according to them. Like, it's a perk. Like, childcare so you never have to leave. Or food provided so you never have to leave. Now you don't even have to leave to go to fucking church. We got you handled, dog. We're going to bring the rituals to your shitty Zoom I can't meeting. think of anything worse than religion, like, stripped of its meaning and, and made into, like, rote yeah. rites. It, like you know what the worst part of re- religion it, it is? is it's like all the going to church it's all that nonsense like it's stripping it of anything that's well, good yeah i mean listen i think that uh, i was thinking about this a little bit today it's like how do we talk about rituals in a more genuine way because you know i grew up baptist like mm-hmm. we have lots of shitty rituals but like it's not a huge part of, it's not a thing we emphasize even though i think actually a lot of the things that baptists do are rituals just unacknowledged oh, but like i don't have super developed thoughts about the purpose of ritual but what i do know uh, is that at its best what it is is a moment of mindfulness that helps you connect to the divine to god that's the purpose of like you do these things that we take communion and remembrance of the sacrifice that you know uh, that jesus did on the cross like that is the point it is to be mindful it is to remember it is to connect to something so doing that practice specifically severing that connection to something is fucking obscene and the reality is it is trying to connect you to something it's trying to strip away the jesus or whatever other person you want person of god or deity you want to put for the purpose of your ritual it wants to take that out and it wants to slide in fucking pinterest I mean, my board is like really looking good these days, and I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I got that. I have a Pinterest story. <laughs> Please don't. No, I'm just so Evan Sharp, the co-founder of Pinterest, hired them, as we've already mentioned, to categorize all major religious practices and think of ways to apply them to the office. They made him a spreadsheet. That is horrifying. <laughs> I don't think there's, yeah, I mean, we've talked about nonstop discussing things, but I don't think there's anything quite as horrifying as saying, like, we made him a spreadsheet of every religion. That is, practice. like, little St. James level of, like, destroying, like, uh, referent and meaning. It's It really is just, like, you know what, it's, I think it's just stripping wholesale any, like, sort of, like, tangible reality or sort of, like, quality to these items. and Even if... Let's let's just be atheists for a second. Zach, Zach, welcome to the party. Uh, we're atheists. Uh, we fucking love shitty white dudes yelling at women. Uh, yeah, Richard Dawkins, cool now. guy. As atheists, we look at the pantheon of all religion, and of course we see its crimes, yeah. and of course we see its horrors, as we do as actual people of faith. But, like, do we not also see, as the atheists we now are, millennia of people's lives dedicated the best of themselves to understanding deep problems of our universe to trying to explain to like encountering wisdom to seeking things like for thousands of years i know this is not very reflective of most people's modern experience of of at least american evangelicalism but like so much great thought so much wisdom so many people trying so hard to strive for their reach to exceed their grasp and all of that you put in a fucking spreadsheet for a social media guy yeah he read it over a few days and was like, this is pretty cool. Oh, is it? He said, this this might sound embarrassingly basic, but it really refamed parts of religion for me. It made me realize how many useful tools existed in something as old-fashioned as his childhood church. <sighs> it doesn't sound embarrassingly basic, Evan Sharp. It, sa- it, sounds, it, sounds incredibly, it sounds incredibly awful. 
It's a, it's a very terrible thing you just said. And I'm not saying that because I am personally offended that you have put my religious practice into a spreadsheet. I don't give a shit what you think. But there, like the idea that like you somehow managed to like do a spike on this, you know, like you you took a few days to go deep on religion, and now you you've got some new tools. It starts talking about the dangers of bringing spirituality in the office, and I and I love this. I love this so much. She shows the mixture of corporate and religious language can be odd. <laughs> After all the quotes I read you, uh, you know, this is one of those examples of the New York Times just being a little yeah. too credulous of bullshit. For example, <laughs> this is this is how one of them described their work for a tech company. We researched and authored a concept paper on the soul of work to simulate bold ideas about how soul centeredness will continue to grow as a core element of the future of work. Please, please stop. <laughs> uh yeah no it is like i love that she picks that but like man she calls it odd as i've already said i call it cursed that is just that it's just cursed language that is that is actual dark magic i believe that i believe that if you say that three times and look in a mirror like you summon something something very scary Uh, also the soul of work is a very upsetting concept you you finally find out where jeffrey epstein got his money if you if you say all these words yeah yeah if if you summon the soul of work i mean like and that really kind of gets to the core of this right like mm-hmm. these people don't care about your soul no they care about getting you to feed the soul of work they care about sacrificing you to this like we want to smash mammon that's the shitty christian's promise they want to do a spike on the scalability of mammon's baby munching efficiency like they just <laughs> they just want to really dive in and figure out how they can find some synergies it's just fucking upsetting Another challenge that they mentioned is that many workers are already devout on their own terms. Huh? What? Shocking. Yeah. Funny. So weird. weird. And then it gets to what I think of is really the core of the issue. I know we've already mentioned so many horrific things. And, and she writes, it's hard to exhort workers to give their professional activities transcendental meaning when, at the same time, those workers can be terminated. There we go. It can be done de- badly. Mr. Thurst, Miss Thurston, one of the design lab people says, and when it is done badly, it can cause harm. For example, how can we be in deep community if I can fire you? You know, like what might happen in the midst of a plague-created global un- global employment crisis. You know, I I this this reminds me of a story when my dad was just like really tired of this parishioner, always coming to him with their problems, and he just fired them. Yeah, they didn't come to the church anymore, and you know, it was awkward, but I think he did it the right way. He just said it wasn't working out. The question, how can we be in deep community if I can fire you? You can't. You can't. Because there's this little thing separating us called class, called the means of production. You can't be in deep community with your workers when you are busy exploiting them. (laughs) Like, that's not how that works. And this whole thing, this whole spirituality, this whole, like, completely divorced from any concept of the divine, like... Just trying to like put that sense of ritual onto your work uh, is just trying, horrifically trying, to mm-hmm. put a little panacea on the horrors of capitalism, even as even as it acknowledges it, you know, as a difficulty. <laughs> he says, even if all this is done well and a workplace becomes really soul-centered, it's still an office. These are the challenges. <laughs> She's like, what? That's... Let me rephrase that quote. You know. It, it, even if we're doing everything we can, it is kind of hard to get a panda to fuck a dead lizard. I disagree that that with that take. Uh, 
our pet panda. Hey, hey, pandas are incels. We all know this. All right, that's true. That actually is true. We need to bring this home. So yes. let me just get to this point. Um, they make the argument that this is going to make corporations more moral. We we should we today pay attention to a business's profits, but the deeper question is whether business ennobles or debases the human experience. We encourage employees to bring moral concerns into the business conversation. Uh, miss, what you're describing is the end of capitalism. if we if we want to make business a noble human existence we got a lot of work to do the idea that a company is hiring a corporation to empower its workers to tell them to stop doing the things that make them profit is so absurd and fucking asinine on its face that like of all the lies they they spew in this whole article that is somehow the most upsetting that like oh no no guys 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 they hired us as consultants. We're going to fix capitalism. Hey, did you know yoga? It's kind of spiritual. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can be if you hire me. <laughs> so maybe you've been wondering, as I have been wondering, and this is going to bring us home. What the fuck are these rituals? What the fuck do these people actually do? Mm. Like they've been talking a lot about ritual creation and all of these sort of like word salad concepts of like things they're bringing together and soul centeredness. But like what is are they actually bringing to the table? She interviews one other gentleman who she describes as having been in the corporate ritual game for a while. He was originally a product designer for the software giant SAP. He wrote Rituals for Work last year, and in January will publish a follow-up, Rituals for Virtual Meetings. So she called him up and asked, like, how, okay, how can I up my Zoom game? You know, I got my <laughs> background. I got my, my cat doing cute interruptions. What else can I do? He suggested beginning conference calls with a moment of silence. He had recently heard about a smelling ritual where everyone in the meeting retrieves a common kitchen spice, maybe cinnamon, and smells it at the same time to get a co-sensory experience. <sighs> they hired consultants to force people working at home during a pandemic to huff cinnamon together. We are in the wrong racket. I'll tell you that. Dude, okay. You know, somebody call Griff Shop because, like, this is a fucking grift like we need to get we need to notify some people they are huffing cinnamon in their zoom meetings their inability to come up with anything cool just a lack of imagination as writers come on this is your ritual i just don't get it you could be like drinking armadillo semen like you could be getting fucking weird with it man we're all no. stuck at home and we're all a little crazy yeah i'm drinking armadillo semen so come on. Yeah. It's a cocktail. One of the other people she interviewed, Miss Phillips, who is a minister, uh, had a few other ideas. She suggested a repetitive meeting structure, which can be calming for participants, because what your meetings need is more repetition. God. And then she says, you know, we talked about well, let's, the curse pile. It's like, uh, what's that 90s Nickelodeon show where they're all trying to get to the top of the mountain, Gak or whatever that was. Oh, um, yeah. This is, this is the contender. This is going to take us right to the top. She goes, this might take the form of starting each team meeting with the same words, a sort of corporate incantation. I just, like, I could have fucking come up with this shit when I was 17. What the fuck is wrong with you people? You're not even interested. I swear to God, I wrote this fanfic. Like, I, like this is my <laughs> shitty cyberpunk, like, shit that I wrote at 17 being like, okay, but, like, the corporations are also the religions. <laughs> Blows your fucking mind, man. People, people worship the apple. Others suggested workers each light a candle at the start of the meeting. Is this a fucking seance? 
what are these people doing? What are all these fancy fucking words? What is the ancient best practices? Sniffing cinnamon, cinnamon and lighting candles, man. I've never been so offended. That's what, what's what they got. That's what they're going to sell you. And I guarantee you they're charging you a mint for that. I've never been so fucking offended on behalf of like, fuck Christianity. Like other religions. Like other yeah, exactly. ancient best like, practices. We normally talk about evangelical Christianity. But this genuinely is a front to every genuine religious practice. Like... Every every person that has actually devoted their lives to trying to encounter the divine. You don't have to do this, but you're cheapening, I don't know, several billion people's experiences, journeys, and lives. Uh, you're also racist, ignorant, empty fuckbags in the process. But please, but please, let's let's sniff some cinnamon. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This you know how in an era of cultural appropriation are they getting away with this? Like this is fucking crazy. Uh, Because that was never anything Libs cared about. But please continue. (laughs) It blows my mind. It is genuinely so offensive. And it really speaks to the idea that, like, capitalism will take everything from you and then sell it back to you or or make it a corporate mandate. And I think about, you know, I was reading this and I was thinking about those, like, shitty cheers that, like, Best Buy employees have to do at the beginning of the day so they can all get hyped. That it, like, increasingly just go on Mm -hmm. for, like, seconds at a time. And you can watch YouTube videos of people either very (laughs) passionately or very dispassionately being forced to, like, fucking chant for their companies. And now we're doing that with tech workers, but it's a prayer. I actually can't think of anything worse (laughs) than, like, being forced into empty spiritual okay not even spiritual into would be spiritual yeah into into literally pseudo spiritual practice into ritual without referent into a thing that is supposed to connect you to the divine specifically minus the divine just for the purposes of efficiency they don't give a fuck about your sanity at home they don't give a fuck that you've been stuck in your house for six months because nothing in this goddamn country can actually help people they don't give a shit they just want you to be able to continue joining the zoom meetings and getting the project deadlines and if they can sell you a shitty half-baked prayer and a cinnamon like huff as a way to make that happen then sure great we'll pay someone six figures to tell you to do that you're gonna get fired and they're gonna be like in the ancient ritual of dipping an apple in honey we have no idea where we got that you should do that and then and get your shit on the way out. Uh, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait till we are like our communion wafers are like buttons. And we are dipping oh, them God. into a porridge of just like uh, YouTube faces. And then we are just encountering <laughs> the divine. Um, and, you know, as we chew transubstantiation, as you place the like button wafer into your mouth, it turns into a smiley face emoji. It really is beautiful. It really is mm. beautiful. Uh, excuse me. Let me say, not amen. A people. <laughs> Google is good. All the time. Google is good. I think that. I think. I think Whew. we got it. Well, this is one of the more upsetting episodes we've ever. Done. <laughs> we say that every uh, week. We I say that every cry. single week. Yeah. Here's the thing. I thought I, I, I keep thinking like it rolls around before we record. And I'm like, I'm as numb as I'll ever be. I, I'm essentially a human scab. It's fine. I don't care. Everything is terrible. And then you you come up to me, hands <laughs> covered in dirt and worms with some new fresh heart. And uh, oh, that's not dirt that they're covered in. I just want you to know I hate you. It's not worms either. At least yeah. not worms from this. Dimension. I just want you to know. That uh, I feel nothing in my heart but hate. So yeah. thank you. For uh, that. You're welcome. 
You're welcome for bringing that to you. Uh, you're welcome for, uh, you know, and if you if you hire my firm, I can I can help you fix that deep seated uh, anxiety and suffering that you're feeling in your soul. I can just just um, I'll get my cinnamon. I'll be right over. <sighs> All right. <laughs> my name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor on Twitter. My name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard or crying in a closet and you can follow our pod shenanigans at shitty underscore pod or reach out to us at crappy christians at gmail.com thank you guys so much for listening it really uh we really appreciate it and we hope that uh you know your your the rest of your day is better than this episode if i can uh if i can ask you to uh do two things before we get out of here it's dismantle spiritual consultancies from the ground up and rate and review us on itunes Thank you.